This episode comes with a trigger warning. It contains mention of suicide, self-harm, and childhood sexual abuse. Welcome to Season 2 of Three Associating. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. A podcast that goes behind the door of therapists working in a relational psychoanalytic model. I'm Andrew. And I'm Rachel. We're both therapists. And we're both supervisees of Jill. And I'm Jill a therapist and supervisor, co-author with Jackie Winship of the book, The Talking Cure. While people might think that therapists have it all together, by now you've discovered we don't. We get stuck, experience challenges, and have blind spots. And these persist. All of this continues to affect our work, and this is where relational psychoanalytic supervision comes in. And this podcast will give you a look behind the closed door of relational supervision, which focuses on how the therapist's blind spots affect their work and their ability to help the patient. More traditional forms of supervision focus on the patient and how the patient affects the therapist, but relational supervision complements this by focusing on both what the patient and the therapist bring to the table. In each episode, we explore a relational dilemma arising in the context of work with a fictitious patient. While none of these patients are real, the relational dynamics are. Episode 2, Trauma and Magic Powers. Andy, you know when someone finds out that you're a therapist and they say something like, gosh, that must be such a hard job. Yeah. And I normally say, well, you'll be surprised. Not all the time. But when you get a case like this, it really is really hard. Okay. Um, I have a bit of a sad case that I wanted to speak with you about today, Jill. Uh, mm-hmm. And I feel a bit sad when I reflect on her. Uh, I've been seeing her for about three years now. And... <sighs> Yeah, what can I say other than the fact that she has suffered immensely throughout her life? (laughs) She's 35 years old. She's currently in a long-term relationship that seems like it has its ups and downs, like every relationship, I guess. Um, She has two children, a son who's about uh, five or I think actually he's about six now, and a daughter who has just turned four. And things have gotten a lot worse for her now that her daughter has just turned four. And we figured out the reason for this is due to the fact that she was four when she was sexually abused as a child. Mm -hmm. So basically her and her sister were both abused by her father's cousin who was living with the family for about three years from when she was uh, four until she was seven years old. (laughs) And her sister is a few years older than her. And yeah, another really tragic part of her story is that her sister took her own life when she was 21. Goodness, okay. Yeah. Um, And she said that Mm -hmm. her and her sister did have a complicated relationship, Mm -hmm. um, but that she felt that she was the only person in the world who was a witness to everything that she had to endure. And her sister actually ended up coming forward and telling her parents about the abuse, but her parents didn't believe her. Um, it was, it was then about a year after that, that she took her own life. Right, right. And your patient, did she support the sister or she didn't get involved with that or 
How did that play out? I don't think she got involved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But she knew that the sister told the parents? I believe so. So, yeah, she mentioned um, all of this to me early on in our work together. Okay, so you didn't have a chance to really ask her because when you say you believe so, it seems as though she didn't talk with you about her feelings about that disclosure and also her decision not to come forward, that if it was early on, it might not have been possible to ask. But anyway, that's just going through my mind. Okay. Yeah, no, I, no I, problem. I didn't ask, yeah. And mm-hmm. she, yeah, she hasn't explored this w- with me or shared how she felt other than just feeling devastated. Um, about when, the suicide. About the suicide, mm, sure. yeah. That's interesting to think about mm. now. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, so she had mentioned all of this early on, not in terms of the details, but she said that she didn't want to focus much on it. Um, She didn't want to go back in time and wanted to leave the past in the past. She said that previously, every time that she tried to talk about it with previous therapists, she would just get so overwhelmed and flooded with memories about the abuse and she would end up in a psychiatric hospital. So we've mostly been working on issues in her current romantic relationship and issues around parenting. And of course, at times, the past trauma has come into the room Mm -hmm. and she has been able to speak about it from a distance in a way. And so far, she's remained relatively stable in the three years that we've been working together. But yeah, since the daughter turned four, she started having... Uh, flashbacks and nightmares to the abuse Um, and she hasn't yet felt that she can talk to me about the content of these Mm -hmm. nightmares and Mm -hmm. the flashbacks as she's scared she'll end up back in hospital Um, so she's kind of and when she goes into hospital rage you know what is the presenting problem that takes her into hospital um she self-harms. Self-harm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what form does that take? Uh, cutting. Cutting. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and she battles with, you know, suicidal thoughts. Ideation. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So at the moment, um, because she uh, hasn't shared any of the contents of the mm-hmm. flashbacks and the and the nightmares because she's too scared to, she's just left alone with yes. it all. Um, yes. And now she's scared to go to sleep at night in case she has more nightmares. Mm-hmm. And the thing that gets me is she'll do this thing where she'll look at me with tears just streaming down her face and plead with me just to make it all stop. Mm-hmm. And the way she looks at me is as though I have these magic powers just to make it all stop. And I know I can't. And, you know, even right now, Jill, I'm noticing myself wanting to ask you uh, if you can make it all stop. Yes. You know? yes. And that feels so childlike. I know, uh, I know that you can't. Um, but maybe it feels like you might be able to, like, have some kind of magical intervention that you can offer me that I can sort of help uh-huh. her in, in some way. Mm-hmm. Yes. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Yes, well, what I'm hearing is how much pressure you feel under to try to make it stop. Yeah. And um, her distress, which is huge. And I think that you're also in a difficult position because if you try to maybe put some words around the experience, which tends to be the way that we go in the therapeutic encounters to get some words around the experience to make it less raw, you have the kind of anxiety hanging over your head and hers that she won't manage the disclosure and she'll become dysregulated and then self-harm is a very problematic symptom. Yeah. And the suicidal ideation. So you're kind of under a bit of a threat, if I could put it that way. Not that she's doing it manipulatively. Mm. I honestly don't get that feeling, but still, it's in your mind, I would think. It is, yeah. And and that kind of interferes in a way, because, but it has to, because it's real. So I'm struck by that. I'm also struck by what you've said about the parallel process, that you feel she looks at you from a child state. Yeah. And then you feel when you're talking to me in a child state and wanting the protective parent to have magical powers, and then both of you, perhaps you more than her, knowing that uh, that's not a possibility. And so let me ask you, where does that leave you with her in the room, knowing that you don't have those magical powers, knowing that you're constrained because doing what you might usually do, which is to use words, mm. uh, has certain dangers attached to it. So where does that leave you, Rach, I'm wondering? I mean, I know you feel very sad. I know what the effect is, but other than that? It feels like it feels like I'm really in touch with her feelings of like helplessness and like hopelessness. Mm. Like it's hard to know sort of what to do and it's sort of a lot to bear and that I'm kind of, yeah, I guess it's kind of a balance between feeling really, really sad and really understanding just how much of an awful situation she's in. She kind of feels mm-hmm. it's like she sort of feels sort of trapped and alone. And Yes, you see, it's really interesting to me and even just listening to you now and the language because... You know, she says to you so clearly, I want to leave the past in the past. I don't want the past to come into the present. Mm. And yet what I'm totally struck by is how much the past is in the present. Yeah. And even the way you speak, the language you say, what a terrible situation she's in. I know you're talking about she's in the situation in that she's frightened to talk about it. Mm. But it also feels to me as though there's something in the room that in the body memory and the way it's coming into the room that she is in the awful situation of being abused at four Mm. and between four and seven. It's as if... It's still happening. Yeah, and and almost the way in which you speak about it, it's almost as though you have been a sort of... um, enfolded into that uh, body memory or that mindset or something because it isn't happening at the moment, but 
of course, the flashbacks and the nightmares make it feel as though it is, it but is. it isn't. Yeah, it's like a re-experiencing. Correct. Yeah. And what has been lost is as if, as if it's happening in the present. Mm. And that's been lost. So the experience is, for her in the flashbacks and the nightmares, that it is happening in the present. But I feel you getting pulled into that. Yeah, I think you're right. I yourself. Yeah. And in terms of the actual reality in the external world, it has stopped. Mm. And somehow that... Uh, can't quite be taken in by her at the moment and she's frightened that she'll be less and less able to take it in and will have to somehow interrupt it by self-harm. And also the fact that the daughter's four and the two of you have connected it up. Mm. She does have agency, not in terms of the past, we can't rewrite the past, but we can recognise that it is the past, which she wants to, but then... The very thing that she wants when she talks about it breaks down. But she's also got agency in relation to uh, the daughter and that she, without becoming super hypervigilant, I'm sure she's already vigilant and she can prevent, you know, an ongoing transmission on, in generations. So She can protect a daughter in the way that she wasn't protected. Yeah. Exactly. And... You can also protect her, which you are doing, but I need then in parallel process also to try and protect you a bit from being sucked too much into the affect storm Mm -hmm. of the sadness so that there's a a clarity which intellectually you know, but to be able to know it a bit more, that actually it has stopped in terms of the reality of what happened, not in terms of the flashbacks, of course. Mm Yeah, I get I get activated when she looks at me like that. <laughs> yes, True. there's a sort of slippage of past and present, and I think you do mm. get activated because she's so pleading, and it is a child state, but then you get into the child state with me. Mm. So it really feels as though there's a permeability between you and her that it's like the past is flowing into the present and then what belongs to her is kind of flowing into you. And so there's something about that that, and I'm not going to what you should do about it. I'm simply, well, maybe I am going to what you should do about it in the sense of doing with you what perhaps would help her. I'm trying to put words around (laughs) an experience. Yeah, and words help to contain her. Yeah put the words around the experience and then I'm also kind of struck by the fact that she said that the the sister was the witness to everything that happened Mm -hmm. and it's important for us to maintain the position of the witness and not to get pulled in too much to then, of course you have to resonate and you do resonate with the sadness Mm. but the witness is a slight position outside although the sister was both a participant because she was also being abused That's and right. the witness. Yeah. And then I did have a kind of um, thought around how hard it was for her to be a witness to the sister, probably because she felt overwhelmed, maybe in the same way perhaps that you feel a little bit overwhelmed and have to fight hard to keep on your witness position because to give testimony on somebody's behalf which I'm sure the sister would have wanted her to do. You have to be able to be a witness, and she can't because she's 
in it. I mean, inevitably in it, perhaps not totally inevitably, but for her, um, she's sucked into it and can't get to a different position and you're struggling. I think you are actually in the room with her able to occupy the adult position from what I can gather, that you can still feel the undertow of that pull. Yeah, I, I guess it kind of, it's like those sessions sort of stay with me. And then afterwards I'm thinking, is there something more I could do? Or <laughs> is there, you know? Mm. Well, I think my answer, and again, it's interesting, is there something I can do? Because I think what I'm saying to you is that actually you are already doing something. And, and part of what you're doing is trying to, again, be a witness, which she lost with the sister. Yeah, And the struggle, of course, is to not be pulled in so that you get a bit overwhelmed and can't be the witness. But when you say, is there something I can do? My answer is, well, actually, you are doing something. Uh, you might be struggling to do it, to not get uh, pulled in, but you clearly are, and you're clearly doing it in a titrated way because she's not as far as I can hear. Um, slipping toward a hospital admission or, um, yeah. I mean, that hasn't come into our supervision. I think the threat is there. but There's threats in my mind. I'm, I'm wanting to ask you what I'm doing, Jill. Mm. What do you see that? Um... Well, what do I see? So you're asking me to witness. I witness <laughs> the fact that you're a witness. I think you are witnessing, I think you're empathizing, resonating, containing, and I think that over time, helping her to separate out past and present more and also to see that she does have agency in mm. relation to the daughter. So in the same way as I think she needs to be able to see that she has agency, I guess I'm trying to help you to have some agency too. <laughs> Yeah. I can see that in both of you, the desire for the protective parent to say, well, and I am saying it in a way, you know, it was absolutely awful. We are certainly not going to deny the reality, but it can be better going forward. We can't erase it, mm -hmm. but we can have it not repeat if we take some agency about how we move forward. Yeah, so, that's very powerful. I mean, we're toward the end, but are you actually, where are you now, Rach? I feel a bit, um, I think, yeah, reflecting on agency is really helpful. I think mm. if I'm able to step more inside uh, a sense of agency and connect a bit more with that, that's going to help her to be able to do that too, mm. not even necessarily verbally, but mm. I think if I can just uh, connect with that in my mind. Mm. Um, and in your presence, which yeah. you actually are doing. But within that, in the therapy, as in the supervision right now, we can't make it right, much as we'd like to make mm. it right by erasing it as if it didn't happen. Yeah. Or we, it's not even as if it didn't happen. We want it not to have happened. You know, we can't make it right in the therapy and I can't totally make it right for you either. I can mm -hmm. feel that because you'll still carry the sadness and that's just okay. Sad. Just but, sad, yeah. but it's not to be so swamped that one can't mm -hmm. um, be also recognizing that 
It doesn't have to continue in the reality for the daughter. And I think that she's dealing in a titrated way with some of the flashbacks and the nightmares by bringing them to you, although she is not in the content and maybe we, we don't have to rush her. Mm. So I think we need to end there, but... Yeah, I think I'm sort of left with, you know, there's a difference between sadness and and helplessness and hopelessness, and mm-hmm. it is sad, but it's it's mm. certainly not hopeless, and, you know, I do have a sense of agency, and so does she, and can kind of hold on to that. Exactly. It's not hopeless. I mm. think that's the point. There's a lot of hope, actually, mm. for her and the daughter going forward a lot. Yeah. But sad, it will always be that what happened was sad and terrible. Mm. Mm. Thanks, Jill. All right. Good, Rach. Thank you. See you next time. Okay, bye. Bye. In this next part of the episode, we reflect together on what happened in the session. We identify the dilemma we took into the supervision session and the blind spots that emerged. Blind spots include bright spots and dark spots. A bright spot is when we are blinded to the overall picture and can only see a sliver of what is occurring in ourselves and in the interaction A dark spot is when the issues are more completely out of sight. We finish by reflecting on what we distilled from the session and then move on to teaching points. So, Rach, what was your dilemma going into the session? Uh, Wanting to magically erase the past and knowing that it's not possible. Uh And Jill, what were the blind spots? Well, I think that the bright spot was the over-identification that Rach had with the suffering of the child state in the patient and the hopelessness and the helplessness of this. And then I felt that the dark spot was perhaps, Rach, that you weren't uh, really aware of how much the past was bleeding into the present in the session itself and had the effect of immobilizing both yourself and the patient. So those were the two thoughts I had about the blind spots. Mm -hmm. And Rach, what was the distillation that you took away from the session? Well, there's a difference between sadness and hopelessness and helplessness. Uh, And this difference lies in being able to uh, remain in touch with one's agency in the present while grieving the lack of choices one had in the past. Rach, what were the learning points for you from the session? Well, I had two. The first one was how one can get pulled into a parallel process with a patient. Uh, In this one, uh, there was a pull into hopelessness and helplessness and a loss of agency and a hope that a caretaker uh, could have magical powers and step in. Uh, And the second one, that, well, really a, a return to basics, that therapy is based on the relationship, containment, and mentalization, and to not lose sight of that because it does help to titrate the intensity of the emotion in the room. And Jill, what were the teaching points for you from this session? Well, I also had two points, and I think the first one was about vicarious traumatization, that as therapists we can and we sometimes do in fact get vicariously traumatized, and how important therefore self-care is and to keep that in mind. So that was my first point. And my second point was around limits and how hard it is to come to terms with limits 
and that we can't undo the past and that awful things do happen. And that's an existential reality, which unfortunately we have to come to terms with. And that much as Rach would have wanted to magically wave a wand and take away the pain and suffering of the patient, I too in supervision would have liked to have waved a wand or given Rach the wand that she could have waved, <laughs> but had to accept that uh, this was not possible and that we had to live with the distress, but also not get swamped by it, that we can come to terms with limits, but we don't have to limit ourselves beyond what we need to. Mm. Hmm. And Rach, do you have any other questions for Jill? I do. Jill, do you think that EMDR would have been a quicker and more effective intervention in, in a situation like this? Okay, well, I am going to answer about the fact that I think that EMDR can be and often is a very powerful intervention. So it's a good question. But I'm also going to say, Rach, that I hear in your question a lingering desire for the magic wand. <laughs> So, as I said, the supervision true. didn't immediately shift anything, so uh, <laughs> i just comment on that. But I do think that EMDR is a very powerful way of working. In this particular situation, I might have reservations because she has been to many psychologists, which you mentioned. We don't know what interventions they used or even if they did use EMDR, so it's an interesting thought. But what my reservations would be is that she reports that she's overwhelmed once she revisits the memories, and I'm well aware of the fact that EMDR's intention is to allow you to revisit the memories without being overwhelmed. But one does question whether, for her particularly, the overwhelm would not occur nevertheless, because it seems as though it was very powerful in that she actually was hospitalized. And it does feel as though over time she's built up a very trusting relationship with you and she's willing now to go there. And it feels as though you are going there in a titrated way. And I think that uh, she will be able to get there and to be able to revisit things and to integrate them. Also, as you have pointed out to me in other circumstances, that she was pretty young and the memories are very unformulated. So I think that's another factor that we need to think about in terms of EMDR. And as I've said, I think EMDR can be very helpful, but there's certain um, circumstances that would give me perhaps some pause. But uh, your own point to the point about the lack of formulation which proves that we need to continue to be three-associating. You have been listening to Three Associating, a podcast about relational psychoanalytic supervision with Jill, Rachel, and myself, Andy. See you next time. <laughs>